0: Thanks for listening to this sermon from the Image Church. Find out more about us and our weekly services at imagejesus.com. I'm going to read John 8 to you real quick. John 8 says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and he taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher. This woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now, in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. So what do you say? They said to test him that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And as they continued to ask him, he stood up and said to them, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at. And once more he bent down and wrote on the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. And Jesus stood up and said to her, "Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you?" She said, "No one, Lord." And Jesus said, "Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more." Hmm. So the country's hurting. People are mad. People are angry. And we have a choice right now whether we're going to pick up a stone or not. That's what, that's what we're faced with. Like, this is, this is real life. Like, this is where it comes to this thing where do you believe in this Jesus stuff for real? Because people are dying and they're dropping like flies and it's starting to feel scary. Y'all excuse me. I have a problem with my mic. Do Y'all get where I'm coming from? Are y'all with me? I'm going to walk through this slow. Now you have to make a choice. Do you pick up the rock and throw it? Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. So if you are without sin, God is welcoming you to throw the rock. So what do you believe? Now is a great time to start throwing rocks. That's what Satan's going to tell you. You better pick a side. It's getting real, baby. Get your guns, whatever, load up. Go shoot some officers. So Go shoot some freaking black gangsters. Pick a rock. Let me tell you what Jesus says about us real quick as you're thinking about whether or not to pick up the rock or not. Romans 3. I'm going to jump through this for the sake of time, but I'm going to go Romans 3, verse 1 through 19, if you want to follow me. In this scripture right here, just to give you a context, because I'm going to jump through it, um, Paul is making a case, um, if you just want to be honest about it all, he's basically just making the case that we have all sinned and fall short to the glory of God. That's the case he's making. And he's going into um, Jews and the covenant with them and he's talking about what's beautiful about it because they've been given the oracles of God, but he's like, do not get it twisted. You're in a special place, but you're not in a special place in regards to sin. You are a sinner like everybody else in need of Jesus. So that's where he's going with it. But he goes into a description so they don't get it twisted. He starts hitting it really, really hard. And he's talking about them. And he's talking about us. This is what we need to consider before we think about picking up the rock. Start with verse 11. He says, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together they have become worthless no one does good not even one says their throat is an open grave they use their tongues to deceive the venom of asps is under their lips their mouth is full of curses and bitterness if you don't believe that we can just go through a Facebook thread real quick and do all of that and when you go through it, you're going to see some of my comments on there. I'm, I'm guilty of it, too. Angel, chill out on that straw over there, brother. All right. There ain't no more juice in that thing, all right? Just let it, let it go, all right? All right. So they're working that thing. I'm like, come on, man. Um, says their throat is an open grave. But I'm telling you, I'm not preaching this because I'm on the right side of this. This thing throws me into so much of an emotional wreck sometimes. I find myself typing up stuff on Facebook, deleting it. I find myself going at people. And then sometimes the conversation works out, and they actually hit me back and they're like, yo, man, I was wrong. And then I feel ashamed because I didn't even give them the credibility that they might actually repent on the other side of my statement. So I went into it with the rock in my hand. Nobody has hope. What do we look like in this conversation if we step into it with hope? Huh? What if that list of things that make me bitter... What if I approach those things with the hope of Jesus Christ? What if I lavish people with the mercy and grace God has given me? What if I did not forget that I'm a sinner saved by grace, by somebody else's doing? Just imagine. Just imagine if we took up that stance. Well, that's the stance we're called to because what's left for us is just death. There's no... There's no if, ands, or buts about this conversation. There's no other place to be in it. Either you stand on this side and you throw your stone, or you stand on this side and throw your stone. Or you come up high where the Lord is at. I told you last week we're more than conquerors. We're more than conquerors because every conqueror on this earth is going to fall flat to death. They can't conquer that, but our fathers conquered death. So what do you have to lose by esteeming your brother higher than yourself? That even when you think he might be wrong, you sit and suffer his conversation for the glory that may lay ahead for both of you. Do you know how many people I've sat in conversations with, even in this church, and felt that everything they were saying was completely offensive and broke my heart? But we're on a long walk together. Or either we're on a short walk, and I'm just trying to push somebody on the, off the bridge because I don't like what they said. Which one are we going to do? Because the Bible tells us that, one of, that, that we are called to long-suffering. I told you earlier, if you're going to be an heir in glory, you're going to be an heir in suffering. That is not a cliche phrase. The suffering game is real. If you are led by the Holy Spirit and you got all the beautiful fruits of the Holy Spirit of you, in you, you are not walking through this world and not suffering. Unless you've found a nice little nook and cranny to hide from real life in, and you're just lavishing yourself with comfort, but come out and walk in the streets for a day, real quick. Come out and walk in the streets for a day, real quick. This week I was inside of the church and I was uh, asked something to do, and and uh, these somebody from somebody just showed up, and uh, this guy and this young lady, and you know, I was just sitting and I was talking to them. They needed help that, you know, they had a broken window and they needed um, a trash bag to put over the window and tape it and stuff. And I was sitting, I was talking to the young lady and um, man, she's just like, you know, I don't know about all this church stuff. And, you know, my people say this right here and everything else. And, you know, and my brother says this and she was going through all these things. And man, I had an opportunity to go inside of the gospel with her, like for real. I'm talking about like you know what I'm saying, the wrath of God put on Jesus Christ, like the wrath for our sin put on him, and then his perfect life put on us, like that juicy, juicy stuff on. I laid it right on her, right? And as I'm telling her, she's just weeping, just weeping. And she's like, I've never heard that before. Now, when the conversation started, she was telling me everything about what she had heard, but she had never heard that before. The power is not, it's not in how, it's not in nothing else but this gospel, this cross. Do you get where I'm coming from? there's, There's nowhere else to go. There's no other hope. There's no other hope but in this gospel. And that's what God has called us to do. The word of God says that we are called to be ministers of reconciliation. That means that we are going after people who are enemies of God. Do you think I should sit and give my life to all of my bitterness when I got something like that before me? Or do you think I should give all my energy to proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ? Which one? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not asking for nobody to not be sober and be studiers of their pain, period. We have to hear each other. We have to hear each other's experiences, or we're going to look foolish out there in the streets trying to proclaim a gospel, the gospel to people and don't even have the ears to listen to their story. It doesn't make sense. Nothing in works, life works like that. You're not running up on me and telling me anything. When I've been standing on the block with all my homeboys for 20 years, dodging and ducking, and they've had my back the whole time, and you can't listen to me say where I'm at? You can't suffer to hear me be wrong for a minute? Huh? There's a story about a guy who, a black guy who collects um, the garments from Ku Klux Klan guys. Y'all seen that article before? Man, so gangster. He went to go do something one day and ran into these guys and he was setting up a business still. And this is real life or whatever. And I think he said he's collected over 20 at this point in life. But this guy's just positional. Life is like, God is real. It is what it is or whatever. And he's, he's not sitting here walling around and all the in-between things. He just has this thing like, I know the gospel is fit for the job. The knife is sharp. The knife is sharp. It's sharp. It's sharp it's sharp it's gonna to have to be sharp because we are a church that is multicultural in the middle of a black context we're in the middle of health zone one if you look up the statistics cancer murder dun- 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 dun, education we run the city on all of it right here in this spot I mean, we could sit in church and just sing Kumbaya, but if we're going to be functional and actually touch the people in this city, we're going to have to be equipped for the job. That means we're going to have to look in the mirror and have some really, really hard conversations. It means that my white brothers and sisters are going to know how to, how to talk to brothers who are out in the streets right now getting bombarded, bombarded right now. Let me tell you what's being lost right now. Satan is coming to whisper in everybody's ears in the street right now. And he's bringing doctrines that say that black men are gods. We're not gods. Gods wouldn't be killing their own brothers. Come on. We're not gods. We're sinful men, just like Jesus just said in his Bible. We're sinful, We're sinful men. We're men. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. Satan's tactic in this moment is to take all of our pain and keep on whispering in our ear until we just start walking opposite directions. He's going to do it with speculation. He's going to do that with lies. He's going to do that with threatening you that your reputation might be taken away from you. And he's going to try to pull the church apart. And he's going to try to pick up, get us to pick up a stone. Because if we're holding stones, then we can't hold Jesus. He'll let you sit and talk about you holding Jesus all day while you got a stone behind your back. He's completely fine with that. He's completely fine with that. When we stand before God's holy and just law, we will all be found guilty. So our conversations about that's the monster over there and that's the monster over there and the cops are the monster and no, the black dudes over there the monsters, no, these white people whatever, these southern good old boys with the flags in the back, no, they're the monsters. It's not going to make a hill of beans because we're all going to stand guilty before the Lord. So you can rock with that team, or we can rock on this team that says, Jesus Christ. We could pick up this little stone, or we could pick up the rock of ages and stand on it. And we could see people come to Jesus Christ. Let me read Matthew uh, 18 to you real quick. 18, 21 through 35. It says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Man, you know what my sin looks like? It looks like me having a conversation about people that hurt me, and then then I talk about the gospel, and I go, I always have a butt at the end of it, but man, what they did was jacked up, though. But what they did, though, conversation ends at the gospel it ends at forgiveness and mercy and then that's the end of the conversation that's the end of the conversation where's the world going to go if all we have is stones we're just going to kill each other does everybody not see that Do y'all see that? Y'all can answer. If you don't, say no. Scream it out loud. Where do we go? Do you believe that this gospel is fit for the job? Do you believe that? Are you willing to esteem others higher than themselves? Are you willing to do that? I think I just said that wrong, didn't I? Why would y'all say yes then? All right? Why y'all in here answering the heresy, all right? Esteem <laughs> others higher than yourself. That's what I meant. Are you willing to forgive me when you see my bitterness start peeping, peeping out of me? I'm asking you for real. Because we're not gonna exist in here. Because I have a stance on things. But I'm gonna trample over it to lift Jesus high. That's my goal. But I have a stance, I have some feelings about stuff. I get mad at some of your comments. But my goal at the end of the day, just so you're sober in this and you know this, my goal is to trample on how I feel to lift Jesus up. But sometimes you're going to see me stumbling through that. And I'm just hoping that we're the type of church that when we are stumbling, we can step back and give each other a little bit of room to breathe and give each other forgiveness and give each other mercy and give each other understanding and go, this brother's had a hard story. From what he's been through, I know it hurts. I know it hurts. It hurts. I have my situations I've had with cops. It makes me mad. It makes me feel a certain way. But I also know that they're out there every day risking their life. I know that they're seeing things that most of us could not even comprehend, and they still got to go home and laugh with their babies every day. I know that they're risking their life to protect a lot of us. I know that they're having to suffer the same kind of disdain I have to suffer as a black man, because now they're being generalized as just monsters. Welcome to my world. As a black man, that's what I feel like also, and always have. That place sucks. I don't, I don't joy in that for police officers. I know it hurts. It makes me pray for them even harder. And I'm not speaking from the cheap seats. I've been sitting with police officers all last year, U.S. prosecutors, congresswomen, whoever you can think of, whatever, me and Matt been on the board down at the juvenile joint, we've sat in the middle of it. So we're not talking from the cheap seats. There's a lot of people out here risking their lives. There's a lot of people out here doing some bull crap, too. Both of them are true. But are we as the church going to pick a side and not be sober in the conversation? Do we not know how to hear somebody say, yeah, yeah, this is messed up? Like, no, no, it's not messed up. That's not right. You know, yesterday I was talking to somebody on Facebook, and I gave it to this guy a little bit hard, and I wish I wouldn't have done it like that. But he was saying something. He's like, you know, the, to the effect of, "Yeah, basically, I know how ignorant you blacks are, or whatever." Because, um, you know, I watch all. I see it on the news every night. And uh, I posted a statement from President Nixon's one of his uh, one of his uh, chief uh, officers that were with him during his term. And just not too long ago, um, it came out in news. It was a statement he said years ago, but they never reported it. And um, He was saying how the war on drugs that they pushed was intentionally done. And he said that they had a problem with liberals in this country. And they said, you know, we can take this and we can take hipsters, we can take, uh, excuse me, hippies and we can attach them to marijuana and criminalize them. And then we can take blacks and we can criminalize them and we could count on the news to vilify them from night to night on the evening news. And then that way it will give us room to run up and dismantle anything they have going on and discredit them. That is the highest office in the United States waging war on a race of people in this country. All right? That's, that, that's, that's beyond criminal. But let me say this right here. The reason I'm making that statement is because we as Christians sit and wage these wars and defenses and we are perpetuating plans from people who are anti-God from the get-go. Do you get where I'm coming from? So like half the times the rock we're looking to hit each other with is not even a rock that's really ours. It's a rock that somebody that the enemy took advantage of our depravity, our hurt, our sin, our fears and they're like, yo, hit them with this one. Hit them with this one. We have to, as a church, or we will not survive, we have, to, we have to stop fighting for ourselves, for our self-righteousness, for everything else or whatever, and we have to fall back, and we have to lift God higher than ourselves. That's it, or we'll get swept up in the current. I don't care how smart you are, how much of an intellectual you are. I don't care how much street smart you are you will be caught up in the current if Jesus Christ is not the highest thing in your life. Let God be true and let every man be a liar. If you're not working it out from that angle and you are down here working as if you got something to put up next to God, then the devil's already got you in the jam. There's a posture for us to take that looks different. There's a posture for us to take that looks different than both sides. And it's Jesus' side, right? It's Jesus' side. There, there, there's a posture that is costly in this world in a practical way that is Jesus' side. When we talk about Harriet Tubman and we talk about the Underground Railroad, you look back and you look back at the collaboration between blacks and whites, believers, abolitionists that risked their life to free slaves. By all means, we could talk about Harriet Tubman, an ex-slave, and say, you had a daggone right to be full of hatred, but she chose something higher. The, 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 The white brothers and sisters who collaborated with her, social pressures seemed very sensible for them to take a back seat. But nevertheless... They laid their life on the line. They laid their life on the line. I don't know if you all are are familiar with the Freedom Riders back in the day, but um, back when uh, buses were being desegregated, the South went against federal rule to desegregate the buses. And, um, And so you had these Freedom Riders that were a lot of times college students or people who would drop out of college just to do this, to protest, and they would jump on the buses. And there's this guy... Well, but basically what would happen when they, was, they arrived in the city, they would pretty much almost get beat to death. Or they would, um, the, you know, there was times when even the bus was put, set on fire and the people would hold the bus doors to try to get them to burn alive. Um, there was a guy named James Work, Zwerk. He's a white guy who was on the Freedom Riders. And um, he, uh, he had a black roommate during college. And, you know, they got to know each other and stuff, and, and, and James fell in love with who he was, and, and James, through their conversation and understanding, um, he started to understand the plight and what they were facing in the country. And uh, James says, man, I'm going to join your cause. And so the way they tested him, they said, hey, James, we want you to go with one of us to go buy some movie tickets. He goes to buy the movie tickets and when he walks in and they see him with the black guy, they knock him unconscious with a monkey wrench. right? And then there was another situation where they rolled up in the city because the whites would always get beat worse than the blacks when they would jump on, on the bus and they were riding with the blacks. And so um, James, he got off in this one city and he's like, let me go first. They started beating him to death, right? They knocked him unconscious. And then when he came through, he started trying to stumble down by a loading dock. And they picked him up and slammed him down on the ground off the loading dock. And a black man who was getting off of work, just walking by with his overalls, he stops and he says, stop beating on him. Said, "If you're going to beat somebody, beat on me." Well, they did beat on him. And um, James' statement concerning that is he's like, I don't know if that guy's dead or alive. When I left the hospital when I came through, he was unconscious. You not know, read that story yesterday? I don't know why it messes with me so much. I don't, I don't know what y'all have. I don't know if you have somewhere else to go. Like, but when Jesus saved me, I was on the way to go murder somebody. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not supposed to be here. I don't know how to do anything. I know how to rob and steal real good. I know how to be a criminal. I have nowhere else to go, and I don't want to go anywhere else. But I'm not supposed to be here, and none of y'all. And you definitely aren't supposed to be here with white people standing next to you and black people standing next to you. Not from these different contexts who vote different, believe different, have issues with the way you feel and everything else. But it must be something here that is bigger than all the stuff that is causing. Like we could be nonchalant in a statement, but that thing that is a difference between us, it's killing people outside right now. It's killing them. Jesus Christ is a big deal. The Jesus Christ inside of you is a very, very, very big deal. It's a very big deal. It's nothing to play about. It's way bigger than your arguments. It's way bigger than your anger. It's way bigger than your frustrations. frustration. It's bigger than the racism that's inside of you and the racism that's inside of me. I don't stand up here because I'm good. I stand up here because I'm a straight up sinner and I deserve the wrath of God. And I stand here and proclaim his gospel because he gave me mercy instead. Jesus Christ was the only one standing there that had a right to throw that rock. He's the only one standing there that could throw the rock. And then he gave us mercy and grace, and he did the same thing to us. I'm I'm, I'm not going to preach anymore. I'm going to stop right there because I want us to get to praying. But all I got to tell you is I don't have nowhere else to go. I have nowhere else to go and don't want to go anywhere else. And I loved the darkness that I was in when I was in it. I loved it. It was wretched, and it was disgusting, and I was knee-deep in it. And it gave me status. It gave me a little fame. It gave me money in my pockets. It gave me a lot of stuff that I wanted. But it was eating me alive, and Jesus came and rescued me out of it. And so that, ang- that, that darkness is no different than the darkness that's outside and the darkness that's inside of us right now that wants to make us hate each other and throw rocks at each other. But we're Christians. We're believers. We're the church. We're the church, so we stand tall with the cross, and we go forward in that. Amen. We tell, that's, that's, what, that's what we do. So if you want to know what posture to have right now, have a posture of a person that could feel the flames of hell on their feet and, and deserved to feel them, to, go, to be let go, to fall into it, and got yanked out of it by the only person that should have put you there but didn't. So when you talk to people and they frustrate you and they anger you with their opinions, be super slow. Don't forget to feel in that fire on your feet because I didn't decide to follow Jesus. I had a Paul experience where I was just, I was going to get somebody that week, had all the plans set up. And he stops me and speaks to me out of clear day, clear, out of clear, right? Speaks to me and he saves me. And I can't figure out to this day why. And it makes me tremble and it makes me scared. But I know why. I know why. I know why. I know that I don't know why, but I know why because I know that His love is unfathomable for me. Right? We have the answer. John said it. John say, he said, Behold, He comes. The one who's going to save us, the one who's over, going to overcome all the sins of the world. Because what we're talking about here is just simply sin just simply sin I don't know if that's what you wanted to hear today but it's what's on my heart if you're in here right now you don't know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior you're on the wrong team yo you're on the wrong team